0: Is this is this been a long con doing this podcast as a whole?
1: <laughs> no, I just think we could we could just get out of the box that we are in. Mm. Okay, okay.
0: Pick I it. just I get I guess I just feel when you use words like box we are in, you're talking about me and
1: Matt, not you. Well, you know, I, Jeff. I mean, those are bullshit. Guys, I, guys, you, so stop. You, you do the intro. And it feels, it feels a little stock. It feels a little stock.
2: Oh, dude, do don't, dude, do don't. <laughs> what does that even so,
0: mean? My intro feels stock. What do those terms even mean? You know, you know what you say when you say those things to me. What daddies, do you even mean? That
1: is. Just shut up, Matt. <laughs> like if daddies. you could just have a, a normal, intro, steady, maybe. Just feels daddies. a little stock.
2: <laughs> I think, this, I think we should just, like, you know, like, I don't know, this doesn't feel right, you know? Like, I understand you guys are, like, feeling things, but I'm not sure. I, come on. God.
0: It's just like, you know, Pete, it's just like, sometimes you, you bring up the intro, and I'm just like, fuck. I just want to rock. Fuck!
2: God, just I'm start, just like, I look at, no, Matt, I'm just like, Fuck! Got a horse I, I, I have a horse if you guys want to come over and ride it. Oh, you do?
1: Docks Till Death! Welcome to
0: Docks Till Death. And if you didn't know by our little play we put on, to start this off, Our little one act, uh, like when at school you'd have like the, you know, up with people. People come in to teach you not to do drugs. Uh, This was to teach you not to do some of the things that the largest, one of the largest bands in the entire world does. We, of course, today are talking about Metallica's Some Kind of Monster. A fantastic, crazy documentary all at once uh 1990 i believe no no that's not right 2000 2004 a little bit off <laughs> yeah i think it was like 1986 uh <laughs> um, yeah what do we tell who's this band uh, yes 2004 <laughs> so this is metallica some kind of monster uh, documentary by Joe Berlinger and Bruce Sanofsky. Uh, of course, most of us, or at least I did, when even when it came out, knew Joe Berlinger and Bruce Sanofsky as uh, the guys behind Brothers Keeper documentary. Yeah, Mike Ski uh, produces <laughs> uh, from Brothers Keeper. Uh, crazy Bird vocals. And uh, no, they, they did that. And they also did the Paradise Lost uh, trilogy. Um, and then I believe it was Bruce Sinofsky, uh, went off, broke off and did Blair Witch 2. No, Berlinger, Uh, I think did. Berlinger did it, switched it up, uh, never watched it. Never. Uh, uh, it's pretty reviled. (laughs) So anyways, that guy did Blair Witch 2 and then, uh, they reunited and, uh, Either approached or got approached by Q Prime Management, which is Metallica's uh, management conglomeration. and uh, they uh, had struck a friendship with especially James because James Hetfield from Metallica, because Metallica's music was able to be used in the Paradise Lost documentary, and apparently that you know Metallica was pretty tight on letting people use their music. They became friends, and so they were brought on to do. Uh, two 60-minute infomercials on Metallica's upcoming record, which would end up being St. Anger. And uh, during that time, uh, James Hetfield had injured himself in a jet ski accident.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And
0: then Jason Newstead while they were filming, left the band. And then James Hetfield went into rehab. And at that point, Q Prime was just like, we're spending way too much money on this. We need to do something else with it. So then it was going to be a reality show at one point, and then it became what this movie is. Um, and, Yeah. Basically, it's following them, recording uh, what becomes Saint Anger over, like, 725 days. Uh, and also with them having a life coach come in uh, and putting all that awkwardness on film. And um, I think
1: even probably more than that. I mean, when you... You know, I think recording might have been... They they reach, like, day 700 or something like that, at least. Yeah. Yeah. but But... They also have. I mean, there must have been so much editing and so much footage because you know at one point they recorded like, just two
0: hours worth no. of footage. Eh, maybe oh,
1: okay. <laughs> um, you know at one point they are at James Hetfield's daughter's dance recital. Yeah, there must be a lot of Mustaine stuff. There must be a lot of uh, uh, Newstead stuff. If he started,
0: there is. I mean, the mistake in theory, Mustaine got pissed for a while. He said they edited him to look like a chump. Um, I I don't think you gotta work too hard To edit Mustaine to look like a chump Um, But He said they kind of left out Some of the stuff and I will say Whatever it was it was like actually like I have my opinions on Lars but he had like A pretty good reaction to him where he basically Was just like "Eh, Mustaine you want like a statement You were in the band 22 years ago You were never on any of our records Like I don't know what to tell you anymore (laughs) (laughs) Like you gotta Move on Um, and, uh, they did, they were great at the big four. Uh, they hugged each other. It looked wonderful. Uh, but yeah, it, it is basically, uh, uh, it's, it's become one of the, you know, revered top music documentaries, uh, on many lists. Uh, I know for me personally, I've watched it a lot. I've seen it maybe like 15 times, uh, maybe more than that. Uh, I assume both of you had seen this before.
1: I have. Yes, yes, yes. I had
0: more than once.
2: For Affirm- uh, this would be number two, I believe. Okay,
1: this was, I believe, three.
0: Wow. Uh, first, gut reactions to some kind of monster.
2: Pete, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> this is when Matt wants to do what I say and then he just wants to remix what I say. You'll notice
1: that a lot like in our ratings that they'll ask me to go first and then Matt will be like, that was really good. I was going to say something like that. (laughs) And then he'll just sort of do the same thing.
2: Uh,
1: I really like this. Um, Me too. (laughs) uh, Yeah, I I'm not a, mm-hmm. I'm not as big of a Metallica fan as I would fan say. Fan as like Jeff, Jeff is. too. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that as whether you like the band or not, I think you would enjoy it. So, uh, I thought it was good. I really enjoyed it. I would like I, to see more of like like the Mustaine stuff, or it, w- it would just be interesting. So would Mustaine. Kind of, yeah, sure. <laughs> Jeff uh, is
2: jock, dude. And I also oh, think, seriously?
1: like, I mean, obviously, what are you, they the have... guy
0: yelling Metallica at him on the street? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ!
1: <laughs> I, that uh, that made-up story. You know, they—they they obviously. I don't know what the budget was or what it cost to make this. Probably a lot of money. Um, so it's it's done really well and different than any of the docs I think that we've watched. There's not, you know, I think in the other ones we've talked about, like the. Uh-huh. The live footage being too long and too much of it, uh, especially as we, you know, we're just coming off of watching, uh, well, we watched The Year Punk Broke and that was like way too much footage. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is a, there's not a ton of it. Thankfully.
2: Yeah. I mean, because that's my initial reaction, like. The music is just really hard. Like, yeah, like hard. You know, I, like was you're it? like, whoa, this is really hard.
1: Like, right?
0: It's like, wow, yeah. it's amazing that you can do something with that type of aggression but no anger.
2: Yeah, right. Um, the, we can uh, make
1: aggressive music and not be angry. Yeah. First time anyone's ever done it ever. Yeah. They never.
2: No, no one's ever made aggressive music that wasn't anger. Um, no, I think. You were not
0: madly a... in anger with the record. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like,
2: it, 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 like it's like it's it is so cr- like it makes
0: me cringe, you know, like, yeah, the music is shocking because uh, <laughs> it's just it's it's so much that like I you want like the the director's cut with them talking to explain this is what we think we're doing musically. Like, yeah. this is the band we think we're going for. This is the genre we're going for. Um, and for me, a big moment is always, like, halfway through when James is wearing, like, a beautiful Trouble shirt. Like, I'm like this, and it's got to be a vintage one from when he was, like, younger. And it's, like, it's the self-titled record. And I'm just like, yeah, I forgot you know who Trouble are. Like, but what are you going for when you do these riffs? What do you think it sounds like? And part of it could be that they're just a band that, like, has played so much and so intensely that they, you know, they they can only hear, like, what Metallica makes. Like, they're so, it's the opposite to me of, like, Slayer, where, like, Slayer knows exactly what Slayer's always been doing. They got one record, Diablos in Musica, where it's like, Carrie King was like, we're going to try to do a little bit of, like, new metal Eve rhythms, but Slayer's always sounding like Slayer. Like, constantly with St. Anger in the recording stuff, you're like, what do you think this riff sounds like? Do you think it sounds good? And what band do you think it sounds like that sounds good? Because not one element will be good. That'll be the crazy right. part. And you'll constantly be, if they intercut it with footage of them at, like, Lemore's playing Seek and Destroy, and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah.
1: You were the greatest. I mean, yeah. just the but greatest. They also went... You know, I mean, they're like... Like, that show at the end, the size of the crowd is... It's hard to fathom how big that show was. Like, they went from, you know, from that, you know, Seek and Destroy to being this... some kind of monster, like this huge band that... Oh, that's a good song they, title. Yeah, I know. Um... <laughs> But I think we should maybe call it frantic. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they're so Tick, big t- oh my that I wonder oh if if they just, you know, got into their own heads of kind of like, what what do we need to write and what is? I need think to it's be? almost guaranteed. Yeah.
0: Like, I mean, like I think like, uh, you know, they are a band that literally went. I think the Black Album. They were on tour for like three years. After but, like, that not, came like, out. Yeah, and not like with like. Uh, breaks Mm. like they just literally were on for like three three and a half years or something crazy like just like most big celebrities bands you just kind of lose the narrative thread me and christy my wife always say that to each other like we like took it from like some scorsese commercial like but it is like constantly just like you just lose the narrative thread and you don't even know what reality is anymore you don't know and so then it translates to like I mean, I'm with you, Matt, where it's, like, almost every single riff they come up with, you're, like, you can't think that sounds good. Like, I mean, and not even, like, and just, like, it all sounds like a bad bar band. Musically, I'm, like, Bob Rock, put them in a standard tuning. Like, detuning, like, open chords is not helping them. Because every riff is, like, ba ding a dong -dong, ding-a-ging-dong-dong, (laughs) ding-a-dong. Like, it's all those little things that I'm just like, get them back to having to play a chord. Like, there's one part where Lars is trying to come up with a drum beat. And, like, I, like, it's like, I'm not a drummer, but I came up with an amazing drum beat (laughs) in about, I don't know, 10 seconds. Like, I was just like, this riff is easy. Just do, like, some sort of, like, actual different rhythm. I mean, Lars stinks. He's just—that's always been a problem for me with Metallica. But either way, I just think—just i just to, like, kind of sum up that I'm basically backing up what you said, Matt. I just think I don't—I don't—I constantly am just like, what do they think they are doing?
2: Yeah, I think it's like—I <clears throat> mean, you know, everyone's entitled to their own opinions and, like, to like it. But I just think it takes me out of the movie, right? Like, because—but it's really hard to— Buy into that like redemption narrative because the redemption is supposed to be the new album you know and then like like it t- every time you hear it while this movie is like throughout the movie you're like this can't be it you know and right. even like so close to the end and we should kind of give a framework here but like before we do it just like no like very close to the end their manager comes in and is like there are four good songs on this album <laughs> like Bernstein? yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a so rough because it yeah. starts
1: yeah, off so what... strong, he's like, wow. It's like, you guys are back in the pocket. It's like it's basically obviously like, this how so they,
0: they've they cut it, but when he looks at his watch, it starts looking at the whiteboard <laughs> well, behind him. You know when is... they're like,
1: do you want to hear more of it? And it's just like, on and on. He's just like, oh, no.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: You know what? It, a big chunk of it ends up being not only like that they used to be Metallica, like how great they were, but it's also like, you did all that work for that? Even just sound-wise, it's like after all is said and done, after all you went through, you ended up with a recording that, honestly, and I'm sure there will be audio files you are like, no, no, they did this trick to the compression and blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, you could just record that in, like, a garage, like, pretty quick. They did achieve that, but it sounds like something on, like, Catatonic Youth that, like, <laughs> yeah. if it wasn't Metallica, we'd be like, what the fuck is this metal band thinking? Like – there's options to get something to at least sound good. We're not even just talking riffs, but sorry, go on, Matt.
2: No, I think we should. I think we should like. I think we're gonna come back to this. I think because it, yes. it, it, it like it. it um, we're gonna come back to this at the end um, because that's like ultimately when the album's done. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like so, I think we do have more to say on it, but I, I don't want to like sh- like com- finish our shit talking about the album before we even talk about the. You know what I <laughs> yeah, mean, like,
1: yeah. um, Jeff. Did you see this in 2004 when it came out, do you think? Yeah,
0: I think I saw it as soon as I could. And I mean, this is also a part of it, and I, I honestly will try not to, like, name drop him all the time. But my best friend, Eric Vickmanis, Metallica is, like, some people be like, oh, Metallica's my favorite band. Like, Eric is really Metallica is his favorite band. They can do no wrong. Uh, when I met him in high school, he had a Metallica shrine. In his bedroom, <laughs> he had an entire bookshelf devoted to Metallica ephemera. And I mean, because there was a dirt when I met him and he had like 20 Metallica shirts just hanging on his wall because he would like get every single one. But he had like Metallica singles from Japan. His dad would buy when he was on business trips and like it moved from house to house. He still has it in his house currently. Love and it. he's the one who will be like, dude, come on, reload. It's not that bad. Like <laughs> he likes them all. He could justify Saint Anger's, all the shit we talked about, and we will talk about. He'll be like, oh, "I know, man, but come on, it's they're awesome. James is awesome. He loves them. Like I mean, and so like I've seen Metallica with him multiple times. Uh, he plays in a cover band, and they definitely do Metallica covers. Like he just is obsessed with Metallica. So I always have that bias, but I've also been making fun of Metallica. And Lars' drum beats to him for our entire friendship.
1: Did it... I was thinking about... Uh, I was going to ask, did it change... When you saw it the first time, did it change your perception, thoughts on the band at all? Or were you like, I love them even more?
0: No. I mean, honestly, I think by the time it came out, I already was like, like every fucking snobby but truthful hardcore kid. I was just like, I don't listen to Metallica, <laughs> like, past the Black Album and the Black Album I don't listen to. Like... Like, the Black Album I'll bring – I mentioned it in the text before. Like, to me, like, I tried listening to it recently, and I was like, eh, half of this is pretty good. And then I also was like, eh, I'm going to stop listening to it. Like, I don't That's really rough. need to listen to all of, all of Wolf and Man. And then, like, I was like, that riff's pretty good. And then Don't Tread on Me shows up, and you're like, oh, right. Like, those, like, lyrics that both Metallica and Megadeth had that were, like, anti-government and anti-conformity like slowly just turn into oh yeah you're not saying it the same way i am like (laughs) you're you're really waving that don't tread on me flag like in a different way and like now you're questionable in your politics didn't change anything i was just like oh my god lars you take that bucket hat off your fucking head
1: (laughs) i mean i don't know that anyone thought lars was cool even from the get-go I don't know. I mean, there's a Sorry, far, I don't oh, remember. Matt, and I'm, Matt, I think Matt did. I'm still no, not no, positive no. if it's real, but there's
0: like a, thing, a meme that'll go around every once in a while. Of like someone asking like, who's a better drummer than Lars? And then I think James's answer was like, there are better drummers in Metallica than Lars. <laughs> 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 Just like always fucking with each other, but kind of true.
2: Yeah. At least he had his like parents support. You know what I mean? <laughs> At least he had the support of Gandalf. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> A, yeah. a brutal cutting, <laughs> brutal cutting father. Yes, um,
0: I hear you. I get it, yeah. <laughs> Lars.
2: I feel for you. <laughs> so, for those who haven't seen this, um, if anyone hasn't seen it, it is a movie where it's like, yeah, I think you did, Jeff. Like, they're making Saint Anger, mm-hmm. um, it's supposed, to promo. It. So it's supposed to be a promo, supposed to be a promo. That's, I did not know that, and they like it starts with them renting out like a warehouse in the Presidio. Um, they get through a little while before James has the accident and he goes into rehab. Mm-hmm. He's in rehab. There's a lot of there's a lot of tension and sort of discord while James, you know, basically between Lars and himself. Is that right? Like Lars and James. Uh, yeah, well, it's it's like really Lars spinning because Lars and James aren't speaking while James is in rehab. Yes, and that and and Lars is really having like a hard time managing his own feelings about about the band not being active and about James not being in contact with him. Yeah, and um, there's like little interludes, little slice of life things. You learn that um, Kirk Hammett likes to 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 surf and he doesn't drink anymore. Yeah, um, and then yeah, and then like. Early on, you have what's the, what's the uh, therapist's name? Uh, Phil. Phil. Phil comes Towel. in. Phil Towel, and he's like a, he's he's by not, the way
0: therapist a, and performance enhancement coach, but possibly according to Wikipedia, not actually licensed in psychoanalysis. That's uh, what I to say. Kind of bum me out.
2: He's uh, not a psycho. He's not like that's really not the serve um, function he's supposed to serve. Like no. he's brought in as uh, a corporate coach. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's it. I mean, what I read was that. Right, he's not a he's not a psychologist or a psychiatrist, but a performance enhancement coach. And he worked with like yeah. the uh, the Rams. Clippers. I don't know about the Clippers. He worked with the Rams um, football team. He was a Chicago yeah. gang counselor, and apparently yes. also worked with Rage Against the Machine to try to get them not to to break up,
0: not to have Zach be like, "What am I doing with these three weirdos?" <laughs> right.
2: By the so, way, yeah, I'm, so like, I'm a weirdo too, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> So he's he's brought in and he's like you know, trying to make things functional that are in 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 kind of tailspins. Yeah. And um and then so, it's at as the movie proceeds, he is like kind of brought more into the um Folding. kind of inner circle. Yeah. He's like like writing lyrics with with them at one Worst. point. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's so good. It's, it's so good. Yeah. As
0: someone who had a great therapist. For eight years. Who also had some moments of overstepping his boundaries. Uh, overstepping his boundaries. Shouldn't be doing that. That's some, the shrink next door shit. Right there. But, oh, yes. but but
2: he's not a shrink right. He's a performance right. coach. And he thinks. I mean it becomes clear like towards the end of the movie. He is either led to believe. Or assumes that he's on. He's part of the team. Yeah, He's part of Team Metallica. Because there is Team Metallica. And like. And, you know, even at the end, like Bob Rock is like both in and out of the team. You know, yeah. like so. There's a lot, and that's like kind of an interesting dynamic. It's like all these people who are both like essential to the functioning of Metallica, but then they are also kind of like not allowed into the inner circle. Yeah, right. So like, you see a lot of that. But I also, and that's just, I, I was going to
1: say, I think that speaks a lot to the issues of Metallica. Oh, yes, 100. Jam- like yeah. I'd written a note. Like James goes from. At some point – like, he's very skeptical about Phil and this whole – like, in the beginning, he's just sort of like – like, he's sort of trying to buy into therapy, but also kind of like, why are we doing this? Or it's like – He's like a 13-year-old boy at the beginning of it. It's like – and then – I don't know if it's when he comes back from rehab, but all of a sudden, Phil is a father figure to him. And he's, like, all in on Phil. Phil's everywhere with him. He's going to his – as i said like to his daughter's dance recital and then at the end he's like this is creepy you know like i'm not feeling phil anymore um wait is phil at the dance recital oh yeah there's a a, there's a a quick pan where hetfield is sitting down next to i would i assume is his wife and phil is standing behind them
0: oh i don't think i know i'm gonna have to go back and watch i've never seen that
1: I was like, this is very odd that he's doing that all this That is his stuff. wife
0: because I remember actually seeing them uh, as my one of the few celebrity sightings I was excited about when I was at Disney World, <laughs> like 2001, <laughs> and him and his family walked by going on to the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. <laughs> I was pretty like, oh, Hah. boy, yeah,
2: this is going to be cool. Yeah,
1: he's huh. like, ha! ha! Yeah, like all of a sudden, <laughs> Phil, they're like he's like he's a hanger on her.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it, it was kind of like – it was a – it, it was a confusing potentially dark turn in the movie you know like depending how you look at it and i think that's like and then, and so like yeah they have that i mean the other big occurrence besides them working on it on the album getting outside help um james's uh recovery and i mean for phil becomes a real touchstone for for james is when he feels like no one else on the band is in the band is on his side with his recovery and he leans on Phil to like help establish boundaries um, or maintain his boundaries. That I think he gets, I guess, suggested to him in his rec- recovery as part of his recovery. Like yeah. he can only work from like 12 to four or something right. like yeah. that. Right. But then the other thing that happens is they recruit the new um, base player. I mean that that happens, and they do that like only so they can have a new bass player for the well. They gotta get MTV rid- they gotta Icon. Also get rid of it Bob is amazing
0: Rock. in retrospect that it's for <sighs> for the MTV Icon, a show that lasted maybe past that one episode. Like I remember Icon being on and being like, "This is weird. This is not a good show." And they didn't bother with the series. I think after, um, right. I mean, it yeah, did it's... work out for Robert Trujillo,
2: but totally did. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, he's he becomes the new bass player. It feels like I mean I wonder how I would feel if I was like the dude from Coc or like even like the guy from Merrill Manson. Yeah, like to be shown like video of like you know they obviously released like allowed the vid- the vi- the footage to be shown, but like it's kind of like you didn't make the cut. You didn't make the cut. Metallica is going <laughs> to talk on Twiggy A-
0: Ramirez uh, struggling to play that bass part. Uh, you don't I think he uh, uh, agreed with that? I was. Yeah. So psyched when this originally came out, and Scott Reeder from Kaya shows up. Like I was like, both me and Eric was like, oh my god, dude from Kaya, is. and Pepper Keaton showing up, which is crazy. Like right. because yeah. pe- like that's also where you're like, you're a guitar player, you're definitely like. Slumming it to play bass in this way Like you're a head I mean
2: you get a million dollars for just showing yeah, I up I,
0: I mean you could understand why Although he's doing alright with COC and down But either way yes yeah. so I agree it, it is a weird uh, part I mean I will say too That's something me and I remember me and Jay From Panthers and Orchid would like talk about Like we're just like man though When Robert gets hired Like brings a tear to both of our eyes Just cause you're just like He's been a fucking, at that point like a working bass player. Like I know that's probably the room in his house, not his whole house. His apartment with the mini fridge (laughs) and the fucking. But it is also like what he went from infectious grooves to Ozzy, like touring with Ozzy, like just basically being
2: a day rate guy to like here's a million dollars. That's the movie, right? But that's also that's also not really the movie because the movie is like really just these like it's these moments in this it's all about these moments in the studio yeah so do we want to just walk through like maybe trying to do it somewhat linear like some of the ones that kind of like you know yeah, like what's like w- think so. what's the what's the first kind of like
0: i mean it opens oh, with the moment. press junket like they they do like the setup of just like here's metallica you don't know who they are they sold they're 90 million, million albums like, they're literally the biggest band, top concert drawn to the, in the 90s. They do this, you know, they start with the album play of St. Vitus to, no, St. Anger. God, <laughs> I wish it was called St. Vitus. St. Anger playing to journalists and then cuts back to, or then they show the press junket. That just kind of even sets up their world.
2: Can we even start there where, like, the press junket when they're playing the album? Like, did you expect the, like, I was, like, waiting for someone to, like, look at, you know, like, kind yes. of give, like, like, an like a, like a look from, like, the office where it's, like. <laughs> <"What?"> yeah. yeah. <laughs> someone
0: pulls on their shirt collar and Steve comes out because they're so yeah. embarrassed by the sounds of. <laughs> 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 And then they get to Invisible Kid and they're like, oh boy, Invisible Kid, don't you know what he did? (laughs) Really bad. Here's the other. I just have to throw that in because I'm thinking about it. Musically, I just wish Bob Rock would have been, go to a standard tuning. Don't do detuning because it's making you do every riff groovy and also those shitty single note riffs. Those like, ding, 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 ding. But also, it's always been a problem with James. Um, What? Uh, okay, it's always been a problem with James, but he is uh, obsessed with rhyming. Like, and the mm. rhyming is real strong and real hard on Saint Anger. Like, and yeah. you know, it's, a lot
2: of one, a lot of one-syllable word rhymes. A lot
0: of one-syllable word rhymes, and it gets. It's just like it starts to get really frustrating every time I watch it. I worry that uh, it's a lot of one-syllable. Uh, shit rhymes and then also quote unquote clever wordplay but so yeah they play that press jun- and then we get the press junket of just like kind of setting us up that they're broken like because it's just like yeah. they're going to get barraged with the same question a billion times and if you're not getting the same question you're going to get the one reporter who thinks they're clever who wants to have the, the the question that sticks out and it's just like sum up your entire career in one word and he's and like the look on James' face is just like, Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, I feel broken for him. Like sometimes like yeah. that's the thing with that. I'll watch it. I'll watch him be like, the little amount of press I did almost broke me. <laughs> like for Panthers and Orchids sometimes. Like to be broken by that so quick. Because then they show Seek and Destroy at Lamore's or Bottom of the Hill, and it's so good. Then they remind us that their taste is always rough because the font of some kind of monster and that graphic are so <laughs> gross. Like, just I, bad.
2: I, I, I didn't remember it being that cheap looking. Yes.
0: It looks like video toaster effects. But do you think like, that they
1: something. had creative control over the whole thing? Yes. I think Q Prime has
2: creative control over everything. Like the that, That's the thing. I think that table, at the end of the movie, they're sitting at the table brainstorming titles for the album. Yeah. I don't think any decision gets made in Metallica world out, outside of a table mm. like that.
0: I hate when I I always say I hate when I agree with my dad, but I've gotten more and more of them fine when I agree with him, but I remember him like kind of talking about he was talking about the Grateful Dead because my brother was super in the Dead, but he was just like
2: "Oh, look, you guys have something Yeah, you there you be. go, buddy." But he was Grateful just like
0: dead. "They're a corporation." <laughs> he's like "They're not a band anymore." He's like Hold on. he's like the Grateful Dead makes a decision and it affects 100 to 200 people who have to work under the business of the Grateful Dead. And it's kind of this – it is the same with Metallica. It's like they're – they – if, if you know, it's not just – they want to say that these decisions of James doing this and and us making this these choice on the record only affect the four of us.
2: Mm.
0: But it isn't. It affects, like, hundreds of people. Like, that guy who's explaining what their sound is in the Presidio –
2: He's probably worked for them for like thirty years. Like they have guys to carry they have they have they have guitar keepers. Like keepers yeah. of their guitars.
0: They have keeper of their you guitars. Know, like, they have people who only do the merch. They have people who only bring the washing machine on tour. They have people who only ha- and that's just tour. And then you've got all of Q Prime Management. You've got like all of their management teams separate. You've got it just like keep their lawyers everything like all those decisions are way beyond decisions we will ever understand. And I think they don't understand, like they still think a little bit of like, no, no, it's just the four. It's just the three of us. Mm -hmm. Even that they can't decide on how many members are
2: in the band. Well, I think, I think there's some issue. Like, I think what Pete was saying, like earlier, like this, like, are there three people in the band? Is the band three people or is the band 200 people? Like, Mm -hmm. and like it's opportunistic when it's one versus the other. Right. Um, But, but two things, um one you brought up your dad's astute comment that this is not a band it's more of a corporation and i just like to take a second oh
1: please did i set you up for a great
2: (laughs) did you guys talk about this beforehand no speech no it's just Matt's fun it's a fun it's a it's a fun fact or a series of fun this is gonna be a new segment matt's fun facts yeah corporations have been around since the Middle Ages they were an opportunity for a group of people to get together collectively to um, like act as one body towards a service or a good or sort of some project initially a corporation was responsible for building a hosp- or maintaining a hospital uh, a university or some other public good it was only in the 17th century that they became uh, associated with commerce and and, and, exchange, and, and money-making propositions. Wait a second. And, not,
0: to, not to interrupt you, but are you telling yeah. me that once again, the general concept of capitalism has made something that maybe it started off as like a helpful idea to society became a destructive force of nature?
2: On that note, when they became kind of a commercial vehicle, like one of their most successful functions was in maintaining... Uh, Global colonialism So like the biggest corporation Prior to the 18th century Was the Dutch East uh, India Trading Company And so A good record label too (laughs) A corporation could And always did How it maintained power was Because if this leader dies Or that leader dies It doesn't matter Because the organization The corporation Is still Maintains its integrity So it, it allowed An institution to exist beyond the lifespan of the people who operated it. It sounds sort of like a non-plus. Like it it doesn't even sound remarkable today, but that's because there's so many corporations. Like right, like Ray Kroc doesn't have to be alive for McDonald's to exist. But what it becomes weird is this: Fourteenth Amendment of the Constitution guarantees equal rights for all ex-slaves, and it extended that right not only to the former, formerly enslaved but corporations took on the rights of individuals at this point as well but when the corporation becomes an individual this weird sociopathic institution that has no moral fa- grounding other than to make money should be allowed to do what it wants on par and has equal rights to actual human living breathing human beings who are subject to what happens um, in the wake of, of this corporation's activities so it goes from a thing that serves a social function to something that serves no function at all and it made me think about this band being a corporation and you know if i do believe in like kind of the non-artistic setting businesses should just die like you know like we like it's not like a university it's not like you know like a hospital just let them die and i'm like your dad's right like this is a metallica is a corporation why can't it just die? Like, I understand this movie is about them working through issues to build this new thing together, but, like, the reason that they're building it is for the sake mm-hmm. of the corporation. Mm-hmm. It's not for the sake of the artistic product. It's not for the sake of, like, the, which would be the, co- the parallel to the social good. Like, the end product sucks. Like, maybe this company, this corporation should just die. So,
0: so go I, ahead, No, Jeff. and I agree. I think, like, one, uh, yeah, I kind of have always said I'm just like if you if uh, if you really love uh, the idea of capitalism so much, then uh, companies should die. Like it's just like if it if you can't exist in the system, then it doesn't work for you. Sorry, don't know right. what to tell you. Like I didn't start a business. <laughs> like I That's just like, <laughs> welcome to the world. Um, right. I think. Well, I think two things with in in relation to all that in regards of Metallica is I think. Uh, much like and i think it connects to the therapy stuff i think much like in in that kind of like whole thesis you kind of laid out it's not completely and this ends up being part of the problem of it it it, of not the thesis but just of people is like it's not taking into account that like uh, whether they're lying to themselves or not, people who, like, like you know, shitbag Republicans who walk around being like corporations are people, acting like it's a new idea, and then we all get upset like it's a new idea, but it's an old idea that's existed for a very long time. But uh, I think they're, uh, I think uh, whatever percentage it is, they do believe that. Like, and, and yeah. they don't believe that it's just bullshit they're making up so that they can basically get around taxes and money. I think. Uh, I think Metallica does believe that it is when when they say this is when Lars is saying like this is about the two or three of us can't really decide how many members are in the band. Um, always will feel for Kirk because yeah. Kirk is still the new guy in the band. Like <laughs> he has that one yeah. moment where he mentions he's like, "Welcome to how I've been feeling for the past fifteen years." <laughs> like, and you're like, "Yeah," because you're not, you've been just doing your job and like. I love when he steps up for himself about solos it's like it's the one time he gets fucking Only angry, time. but because he also makes a fucking valid point. He's like, there yeah. is nothing. He's right. Yes. there. Is, there is nothing more of the time than not doing a solo. If you're just thinking musically, it's like the lamest shit. But um, uh, I, I think they truly do believe or don't see the elements of uh, it's bigger than they are. Like it's, it. They don't see that you're saying. I think they just don't completely see it. They do. There is, yeah. a, and it's. There's a that, but that also makes sense to me as like, you know, uh, much like uh, 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 a libertarian actually following the real tenets of libertarianism originally. Uh, I, 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 I think. Uh, I think. I think they. Uh, I think they think they're doing – this is me being tired and losing my train of thought. I think they think that they are – they are not aware of uh, how much dysfunction that they truly have maybe up until now, and it might be that dysfunction that has kept them going. Like it's rare that – Oh, for sure. It is rare that they existed, and it shouldn't have worked ultimately, and it's not like musical-wise. It's just the exact right of fucked-up-it-ness itness. Between yeah. Lars and James that has allowed them to exist for as long as they do. And their own individual demons to push them to tour for three years when, you know, it's not like Exodus stopped or Anthrax stopped, like all the other, like the big Slayer. Yeah. But they all like chilled a little bit. <laughs> like, and, and I just think there's a collective delusion also involving Dave Mustaine. And Jason, who said like all of it, like it's just like it's 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 uh, it's kind of magical that they've kept together. So by the time they've gotten to this point, they have just kind of lost the thread of what exactly they are. Um, I, as, but the, you
1: said
2: the anger and the. Yeah, well, I was going
1: to say on top. I think to add to what Jeff was saying, I don't know if it's on the same thread line, but like their lives have also drastically changed. So like, they started the bands. They didn't have kids. They're yeah, I mean, I think probably still struggling with drugs to some extent and, and all of that. Maybe up until this point, I'm not sure. And I don't yes. know, I don't know their history now, of if they've kind of stayed on the straight and narrow or not. But so I think
0: James went back in a rehab
1: after this. Oh, no, right? yeah. yeah, I think he was like super straight. So yeah,
0: <laughs> I could be wrong in that. I mean, he did go straight edge. He got straight edge tattoo. Did he really? I could be merging that. I I could be wrong completely. Go
1: on. So yeah, so they've got families. They're trying to sort of like. You know, the band has changed into this corporation from, you know, those, what is the first three albums before the Black Album uh, until they're like. I mean, I was just looking as you were talking about, like, charts. Like, they still are selling. You know, they're always topping, they're always coming out on number one on the Billboard charts when the records come out, even to Hardwired, still number one. I mean, Hardwired, I think, was like. I looked at the black album. It's like over 17 million, which is like insane. And then that huge, huge load. Album. I think goes to like 6 million reload goes to 3 million. So they start dropping. I mean, but the new one still sells a million, which is nothing compared to the black album, but like they but, are still but, getting the response think, that they're this huge band, you know? It's well, like, I think that's stop? the
0: thing. I think that's, I think that's the layer is like that is added in there. And it is, uh, I think in what you were saying, Matt, it's taking more into consideration, almost like an artistic thing that they don't even see anymore. I think they do think it sounds great. I do think these, song, these songs sound good to them. And uh, kind of actually going along with the kind of change and the growth of how economy works, that, uh, uh, you know, uh, if something is popular and makes a lot of money, means that it's good. Like has increased as time has gone on, especially in the past couple years. That that is what we base good on. That's what we base like uh, success on. Is oh, it like yeah, of course it's good. It's do you see how much it sold? They have never not sold a crazy amount. Saint Anger did unbelievably. Like it it ended with that concert, and that concert is not an anomaly. Like I I saw them a couple times on tour, like a a couple albums after this event, and it was still. Amazing and huge. <laughs> like. but And I also
1: think that, like, people who watch this... I mean, for me, when I watched it this time and I'm thinking about, okay, where they are in their trajectory and that Newstead leaves, I'm kind of like, why would you leave? You know, like, I mean, he probably has more than enough money, but it's like you're in this band that is, like, the biggest band.
0: Well, but I think also keep in mind, like... And it does – it is kind of funly like, connect to the classic Pete question of do you think they make a living off of that. Uh, I mean, fans. is Echo Brain
1: going to make him a living? He doesn't well, matter. But he has no, more but than – No, he line. ends up playing with Ozzy. Right, well, like, yeah, He goes on yeah, tour yeah, with yeah.
0: Ozzy. He replaces Robert Trujillo, and then he is in Voivod. Right. And he does these other things.
1: I th- and he gets a percentage yes, on all right. the so stuff he on. So like he, he doesn't even need to do anything based on – But the also, keep in,
0: yeah. also keep in mind – like, I do think it's something to consider that, like – one of the reasons this machine keeps going is what else are they going to do? Like
2: Mm -hmm. Kirk is the
0: only one who maybe is relaxed enough to be like, I'm going to kind of retire. You know, I've had friends go to his house in Hawaii and they're just like, it's fucking great. It's chill. (laughs) You surf. (laughs) It's got horses. It's fucking relaxed. But like, you're not going to go just like do a job. And, and uh, and it's not just about money, like it, like we know that, like as like you know human beings and as adults, like it's like the it's the, it it starts to go into that argument of just like well we can't have, uh you know uh, uh, we can't have universal health care we can't have like a set uh you know income for people because then no one will work. Like and it's just like well that's not really true like like you need to have purpose in what you're doing in your day to day but like I think like the machine has now gone on so long like the Rolling Stones aren't ever going to stop until literally every single one of them is dead and that's at a
2: certain yeah. section like it's just like it's the same thing yeah. it is it is the Rolling Stones it's of that it's of that order right like where it's like so. Y- you know, Jeff, you said, like, oh, like, you know, they had this anger. Like, it, it shouldn't, the band shouldn't work, but it did work, and they're all fucked up and angry and stuff like that, right? Like, and, like, that's the music. I mean, like, like those first three albums, like, three and a half albums are, like, are unbelievable. Like, going back and listening to them are unbelievable, yeah. and they're unbelievably focused, which is what is, like, so wild in comparison to to what we're watching here. But in any event, like, it, the anger is animating a lot, you know, like it's it, there's like, you know, like it, like a, a, art is definitely serving. Their art is definitely serving a therapeutic, uh, you know, like that's that's not what you hear when you listen to pu- Master of Puppets. But like it's clear that like it is taking the place of therapy, yes. you know, like
0: um, and then. But Pete which said is like, hard as yeah, safe as a therapy thing, like I remember with my old therapist, him just being like, but, you know, music isn't the equivalent of therapy, right? Like no, it's and I was like, yeah, "Yeah, you're you're right. I thought it was for many years, but it's just like it's a part of one process, but it doesn't. It does. It's just a release that then I push back in. Like it's just like it doesn't really, you know. No matter how many times you play Fade to Black, you didn't solve that problem.
2: (laughs) No, and but 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 it is a release, and it is like a storehouse of like it becomes a receptacle for a certain kind of energy, you know, and like. Those, and those albums are so rich with it and so perfect, like really perfect albums. Yeah. Um, but then Pete's like, yeah, their life changed, right? So it's like you have this thing, their life changed. They've got kids, like you said, they're in therapy now. Like it's not the same band, you know, like it, the name is the same. And, 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 and in lieu of the band, there's this like – and the Black Album is that transition point between like yeah. being a legitimate band and being a machine, and then, like what we're watching is the machine. Mm-hmm. Like we're watching Franken, you know, like we're watching like we're watching like some kind of monster <laughs> or something.
0: <laughs> exactly. <Wait a> <laughs> yeah. But um, like they all and, start, and, you know,
1: I mean James and Lars started the band. Uh Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. they they're all damaged people. Like they've got a lot of issues.
2: Yeah. And they're in their late thirties, and they're like acting like children to yeah. each other. Like so, it's and it's you know. like the one constant, which isn't thing unusual in their like, life. That's the th- no, like for people, I'm not above it. Yeah, like that's the thing. <laughs> it's just like
0: that's the, I can't fathom. Like I can't, I can't fathom my kept bands I was in together as long as they did. Let you know with like with some of the same arguments. Yeah. Like some of those arguments feel very close to hope. <laughs> like, but what it also makes
1: sense why it's easier for maybe Newstead to leave? Is like, even with, like you were saying, Kirk is still like an outsider. So it's like James and Lars are never going to quit because it's their thing. I mean, Kirk's not yeah, going to quit. And Newstead like, is
0: the uh, Newstead's the outsider. Yes, he always right. has been. I mean, his base is literally, I mean, it's a, just a cliche to talk about. It's legitimately not on and justice for All. It just isn't there. And they did it because they can't, they are very sad about the death of their friends. Like, there is just – there is no getting around, like, how powerful Cliff Burton dying was both to them actually existing for as long as they do and for literally everything after that. Like, and we know this is just, like, in our own life, having death and, like, it just, like, it just is something that doesn't go away. And especially if you don't address it. And, like, I – you know, I mentioned in text, especially, like, someone like – You know, James Hepfield, it's like he grew up Christian science. His mother died at 16 of cancer, but partly because she wouldn't get treatment because of Christian science. He immediately went into like playing in bands, and that just led into being an alcoholic. His best friend dies. He has to just keep going with Lars, who he has a troubled relationship with, clearly. Like, is kind of that, like, we have to be together, but we're not sure we want to be together. We have okay. such different personalities. Uh, uh, multiple times has fucked up his body. Like, you know, the fucking, the, that, that accident on the jet ski, but also that uh, flash pot that burned half of his body during the Metallica Guns N' Roses tour. Like, so he almost died a couple times. <laughs> it's like on tour and on stage and then literally never handled any of it until this and everyone else has their own things too but it's just like this wild cacophony of I'm not even convinced they would still be a band if Cliff Burton had stayed alive
2: oh, like yeah. that's the yes. that's
0: the hard part is you're watching and again I say this to someone who like I've watched all of the narratives I've come up with as ways to self-flagellate myself about life and my choices and this and that but like there's like there's no promise that metallica would have existed like they talk about it and that's he says it he's like all the time i think about this should be cliff jason should be cliff like we're gonna take his base up because he should be cliff but cliff might have been like you guys are fucking turds like I'm gonna start my own band. I'm the best guy in this fucking band. Like Cliff Burton was the best bass player
2: in the world. What role does them staying together? And again, it's not be, like because they have changed. Like Pete said, there's like a like this is a different group of people. They, but like, what role does the corporation play?
0: I think the fear of them not being who they are—that they're they they are James Hetfield from Metallica. Is then also furthered, consciously or subconsciously, by the corporation. Like every choice Q Prime Management makes, their lawyers tell them,
2: helping, guiding them to a decision. Like it deepens his identity, but yeah, you're saying, like it, it deepens the identity of like I am this guy. I must be this guy. But at the same time, as it's deepening his identity in that way, it's taking him further away from the version of himself that actually was made the band amazing in the beginning. Yes. And it's, it's like right? a
0: constant thing. And like human, like of whatever it is, whatever title you've given yourself to just be like, I am Jeff Garlock and comfortable with that versus I am Jeff from Orchid. I am Jeff from Panthers. I am Jeff from UCB. I am Jeff from doc. Till death. And that's what most yeah. people know me as Jeff that's from right. doc. Till <laughs> death. Right. DTD crew. Faux life. But, uh, because it is very scary. And that's why he was partly, I would guess, an alcoholic of the many reasons and covered it in, you know, drinking and having shirts that were alcoholica. Like, because it's like, how the fuck do you get around when you can't look in the mirror and just be like, All right, I'm comfortable just being James Heffield? To to zone it, if you will. And, yeah. and 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 you know, whatever an argument can be made uh for the various levels of possible insidiousness of the Metallica Corporation in furthering along some of this. Well, you can. By the that, way, he I, did go back into rehab in 2019. Mm.
2: Like that. That if we can like point to a specific thing like that. That at the towards the end of the movie, there's a there the the guys in the band Bob Rock the manager, and a couple of reps from the, from the management company are all sitting at a table brainstorming. Like we, ta- we alluded to it earlier, but that scene where they're brainstorming what to call the album. And James wants to call it St. Anger. Lars wants to call it... Is it frantic? Uh, frantic? Frantic, yeah. yeah. Tick-tick-tock. And the two dudes at the end from the management company, like St. Anger... But they like it because – and they're on the spot thinking, oh, like, they saw the way they can promote it. Like, oh, you can see it. It's just there. It's like – St. Anger Day. St. Saint Anger, Saint Anger Day. Like, the record release day is St. Anger Day. And, like, and at that point, you started to see Lars's, um chance of winning this argument evaporating. Yes. You know what I mean? Like frantic so you like oh, s- what about
0: frantic day?
2: <laughs> yeah, and then the man the manager comes in and is like, Frantic's kind of like a fucking weak word. You know, yeah. it makes you look like like and it's like but you know what's interesting
1: about that is as I didn't think about this till you brought this sort of discussion up or question, it's like there's I don't know if they're okay with that brainstorm thing. But when they're doing the the radio segment where they have to sort of like sell they're they're like this like i cannot believe we're doing this like we're selling our souls it's like that they don't feel okay with but then this other about like you know let's do Saint anger day that would be totally awesome they're i mean i maybe they've just sort of yeah, like that's, they've that's quit good on life at that point i don't know uh but there's definitely <laughs> it's just a interesting juxtaposition of those two scenes
2: yeah. So, what do you make of that? Like, so the so the first, just bef- before you answer, like the other thing you're talking about, Pete, is when they're asked by their management yes. company, same guys or same group of guys, to Q-prime. Q-prime, to like basically like do what? Like, say like just do bu- bumpers for a radio station? Is well, that what I they're asked to do? It's not clear wait. to me.
1: I think there's a contest, right?
0: I think it's a more of a kind, it's right. more of a thing because the bumpers they're just making fun of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mm. We did that once. It was really lame. (laughs)
1: It's like, this is pointless. No one's going to use these (laughs) Panthers bumpers. (laughs) Let's go crazy here. So there's some contest for that new album, and that seems to rub them... I think James Hetfield the most probably rub him the wrong way that they're I think it's somehow
0: triggering him that he's being manipulated, Mm -hmm. which seems to be obviously a big thing for him. I mean, I think... Uh, I mean, for me, I think it's, like, uh, the bar is both different for them and has also been moved for them in different ways. So, like, certain things I'm sure they're just used to. Um, I think that's, you know, it's also, I mean, even that question, like, plays into one of the reasons I thought it'd be interesting for us to watch this is, like, it's just so far removed from any of our kind of creative decisions.
2: Metallica didn't have a problem when these guys are giving input right. on the finished on the musical product or like the, the 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 packaging of the product, but it's still part of like the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. product, right? But they did. He James had the strongest reaction to just, and it's weird too because like they're so into their fans, which is a a, a great thing, yes. right? Like they get a lot of respect for that. Like the So What fan is like club a, is very intense. My buddy Eric Vikman is right. one of the early members of the So What fan. Club. He's, like, in the first 500 or something crazy. Um, but but this thing, like, th- this like, contest, because, like, I mean, it ultimately leads to lyrics in the song, right? right That's one of the whole things they talk about, right. where, like, first of all, it's really surprising that, like, James Hetfield is like, wait, they want us to do this thing, so they'll, like, l- respond well to the record later on? Like, they're not just going to respond well to the record? It's like, how naive are you? <laughs> it does feel a little naive that long in. Like, you're like kind You're of like, how it works yeah and i mean like after the you, you think like it's yeah that that was just super strange because like you know they've played the game yeah like i mean
0: the, that's the th- it is confused like you didn't deal with any of that in the black album you didn't deal with like, I know, was, right? like it feels a li- it that part always felt a little showy like it felt a little like in there like and here's how we got this set of lyrics was about being manipulated yeah. or something and that's By how the we record, got invisible
2: lame. kid or some bullshit <laughs> what's what's james's line he's like play it steady yeah. i know you don't like when i say play it." yes what do you say uh oh, he like God. he doesn't like
1: that. when he calls it a beat like he wants him to play a normal beat he's uh-huh. like playing normal beat he's yeah. like i don't know when yeah. i like <laughs> i know you don't like it when <sighs> i say normal beats so i'll say steady beat
0: That's the interesting part too with that part. And there's a couple other lines that happen like that. It's like, again, I'm not saying this is like some like expert, but like after like 10 years of therapy, I'm like, oh yeah, you're doing the moves where like you've done like one or two years of therapy. And you or you couple, know the words you're not ready. Yeah, you've started. Me, you me. know what the you know what the terms are you're supposed to be using that are nice, or how you're supposed to be how you're supposed to behave as a human. But you also can't hold back from being like I don't. I know I'm supposed to say <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. you should say something. <laughs> play a normal beat, like and it's like. It's a caviar your cake and eat it too situation. Like you, you, you don't know how to actually implement the things that you're supposed to become. Well, it's like saying no. <laughs> no
1: offense, but it's like well, no here offense, we go. Yeah. but and it's like yeah. if
0: there's ever too much of a pause yeah. before you're trying to say the nice <laughs> thing, and that happens in arguments I even have with like my wife sometimes, like where I'm just like, just say what you want to say because I know you're trying to cope with the therapy version. But the, I <laughs> like, think
1: the best part is, uh, is. Kirk in the middle of it, like there was one part where he's like, uh, "He's like, you're you, being you know, a dick." he's like, "You know what, guys? Why don't we go in there and hammer it out instead of hammering it out on each other?" It's like Kirk, <laughs> yes. It's like, and it's, it's
0: also like, you can't. I can't believe that nobody was like, "Hey, write that on a post-it. Exactly right. That's, That's a good, good lyric." <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: those could be lyrics on this album. Yes. Well, Kirk is they so really excited could. that he's getting the chance to write lyrics. So. They probably, they probably loved it. He loved it.
0: Well, he's just been getting a lot. Like, you know, he's the, he's the fucking lead guitar. He plays the solos. He deals with these two personalities. Like he's not going to stop the machine. Like he left Exodus to join Metallica, the biggest band in the fucking world. Like, uh, so he has to sit there and grin it and bear it every time that James calls it Frankenstein and not Frankenstein's (laughs) monster. It really does drive me nuts. Like he should know that shit. And why I think also it would bug Kirk is because I know that he is a big Universal horror fan, like he's oh, got yeah. that fucking mummy guitar, and he also has like a fucking a book I want to actually get that's like his personal collection of horror memorabilia. Because I mean they're I that, that they're that type of rich too. That's the other part too. Like yeah. all this stuff we've talked about, like you know, uh, Phil is forty k a month. They're giving Robert a million. That's like a job in the bucket. Like, you know, the the one part that apparently uh, James and Kirk didn't want in was the whole art buying selling section because they were like this. Is, really? They were just like, this is lame. <laughs> Lars and Lars who was Lars like, is. no, no, this we got to show all of us and who we are. Um, I mean, I will say but, it, the first time he's talking about that Basquiat uh, painting, I was like. This is what I sounded like when I went to a museum once with a girl I was trying to impress. And I was nice. just like, I need to talk a lot about this photo. And really what I want to say is, like, cool photo. I don't know. Let's move on. <laughs> like, it sounds like he's trying to get laid
2: with all of us watching it. <laughs> so, so in a, you know, like, I think I think I had more problems with – maybe this will be the next one you should talk about, like, like – like how do we how did we receive the people? But on the thing you just said, Jeff, yeah. I've like watched on I don't know why on like YouTube I've watched like a video of Steve Martin who's like an art collector yes. like going to going to a MoMA and like like they put him in front of a couple of paintings and just have that he doesn't know and have him react. And to be honest with you, what Lars was saying about the Basquiat, like in the way he was talking about the relationship between parts, was more I felt in, insightful. <laughs> m- 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 not ins- it wasn't insightful at all, <laughs> but it was, it was more in the language of like art appreciation right. than Steve Martin. Uh-huh. And so I was like, so I was actually really surprised. I mean, relative, it's, it's a relative comparison, but like I was really surprised at like that even that lar- I had never understood the art collection thing that he had. I know he had like, right. a, you know, like he, he had a, a, an impressive collection but just him talking about, like, relationships between different parts of the thing, then I was like, oh, yeah, his dad's kind of like a bohemian. Like, yes. this all makes sense. But it was – and again, it wasn't insightful. It wasn't, like, deep. But, like, it was more than I was ready to give him credit for before I started watching yeah. it.
0: Like, so, you know, like – I mean, Lars – that's part of Lars's deal. like, clearly he's got dad issues. Like, clearly uh, one of his main things that's driving him is he has, a, he has, a, cult, <laughs> he has a cold European father who uh, will never give him – uh the go ahead on what he is doing that he's too honest too honest that, he that just... is just too on, like yeah like he's got he's he's got that european vibe he was a tennis pro you uh, know i mean he's he's just he was a tennis pro but also like he's he clearly was also like loose dad like i think like i don't remember yeah. who exactly but it's like i think lars was like as far as i know flying to england when he was like 12 mm. to like hang out with the guys from merciful fate like He's the reason why – one of the reasons in theory in the stories of, like, why Metallica sounds how they are is because he came back from, like, England and going to tour Europe when he's, like, a kid basically on his own with all these new wave of British heavy metal seven mm-hmm. inches. So, like, he had, like, all of this, like, fucking Angel Witch and Diamond Head and Blitzkrieg and, like, all these various bands that no one in America had and was, like, playing them for James, who he met uh uh you know so i do think like i was like i get it man like i was like you know <laughs> you want your you want your dad to just be you know unequivocally like saying this is good so i'm not gonna he doesn't need to tell him uh you know yeah.
1: that that scene I, in there are, the in i the would say so hard.
0: delete that <laughs> um <laughs> yeah basically Werner <laughs> herzog is his father with a gandalf beard <sighs>
2: Uh, that yeah the
1: the whole like like yeah i think if you said i was the advisor i would say cut that and it's just like that scene when they're in the field together and the phil is like well have you told him it's like the body just like the bodies are so uncomfortable like lars keeps bending over he won't look at his dad He's just like, it's like like he's physically in pain, just like... And again, watch that.
0: I'm like, been there, done that. Like, had my therapist be like, have you had this conversation (laughs) with
1: your father? And then I try, and it's just like,
0: I'm a monster, and you are
1: too. (laughs) There are just so many Lars moments that... I mean, I feel like we could have... We could do a second segment where we just talk about each member in the weird sort of like segments of them um, uh uh-huh. that could be its own episode potentially I think it could be um but i mean should we make this a two-parter <laughs> might have to be <laughs> uh i mean Lars i mean what is the deal that he's there's like he's always in a bathrobe yeah why i don't know
0: um i think that's just drummer bullshit like i think like part of it i think is cuz he uh, I think why he's partly in a bathrobe is I think he has to drum without a shirt on. Mm, yeah. I think he does, and he and so he's just cold, okay, in there because everyone else is wearing clothes. Um, but also, I think that's what I don't know if they get, uh, did they get into it in this one of the beefs that they have, and that's why James's twelve to four thing is such a pain. Is I think Lars's ideal schedule is roll into the studio at like nine at night. Mm. And start recording at like 10 or 11. Like his preference is to record like through the night. And I think they get into that a lot into the year and a half. And I think James has always been just like, I why don't we just come in like a normal, like, J, like Lars is SNL
2: mm. and
0: James is a normal <laughs> show. <Yeah>. Like <laughs> He's just like, what are we doing recording this late? So they have a completely different idea. But yes, that's the
1: bathroom, okay. I think. <laughs> I also, there was a, like Lars can't, I mean, none of them probably can take jokes, but there was a part where Bob Rock was saying – he said something like, did you hear what Lars said? Uh, Kirk stopped reading and I stopped moping. And everyone's like laughing and Lars like, I didn't say moping. I said sulking. It was like – like they're just trying to joke and he like, can't take the joke. Like it's like he's just going really to apart yeah. everything. Um, yeah. There's also the scene where he's like, you know what really gets my dick hard? is the boom boom of the drum or something like that. It's like, what?
0: <laughs> like, it's, it's depressing when both him and James are both like air drumming to the most boring like, stock drum beat ever. <laughs> like, and you're like, that's the thing that got your dick hard. <laughs> I mean, also Lars has, uh, it's one of the reasons Metallica does what it does. He clearly also has like some, uh, worry he's going to be left behind. like, He's got to worry that James will leave him behind. That he's like he doesn't take him serious, but also his whole thing with Echo Brain, where he's oh, like they're yes. the future. Echo Brain's the future. Metallica's the past. And you're like, dude.
2: You know what I thought was the most like kind of gross Lar if you're on Lars moment, and it's it's a James it's a gross James moment too. Where um, it doesn't really start as a gross James moment, but like it's when they are telling um, Phil that they don't need his services or they don't want his services anymore towards the end of the movie. And it starts with Lars... I'm sorry, it starts with James and Phil at the table. And I think James tries to... I think James tries to say in as nice a way as he can, we don't want you anymore. We don't want you moving to be near us. I think Phil's in a spot because he has to see these guys are incredibly dysfunctional, you know? And, like, he thinks it's part of his job. And so, like, of course... I mean, but then Lars comes in and is just like doing this weird like. We are the client. Yeah, like it's just like self serve. Like, like my my man yeah. says that he doesn't want you anymore. Yeah. Like it's just like, and you, you know, have to
1: respect and, that. If he's and, saying he doesn't want to do it, then you can't, then we're not doing it.
2: But Lars doesn't so, yeah, want yeah, to yeah. do it, yes. right? In that moment, he he he's just using James. Like as a mouthpiece for the position that Oh, yeah, he's like standing assert, up behind like the big not. muscle guy and being like, yeah, man,
1: yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll kick yeah. your ass, <laughs> yeah.
2: and like you're not you're gonna like back and, but, behind though. Yeah. And he says, "I'm gonna," and you have to respect him when it's like in no other point in this movie has Lars shown any respect for anything James no. has said. Like, so saying like you got to respect this guy is like, well, like where do you yeah. get where do you well, get because J-
0: all of I think that's the thing. Like, I have uh, empathy for James Hepfield in that like. Uh, his moves make sense Like even though when they're fucked up You're just like they make sense as the moves Of an addict they make sense as Someone like this Siberia. Hurt guy. Someone heard it yes <laughs> yeah. It totally. totally makes sense like he doesn't Know how to have a family right. like he's like He he doesn't understand And it's Still every single time you're just like is this Still because of Cliff like you know like I think so like I think there's parts of it like
2: Oh he's, you know, his kid his kid Is turning one so he departs to Siberia to ritually kill a bear. That's been hibernating, so it's, like, not a hard kill. Oh, so fucking lame. So it is lame,
0: but I think he can't deal with the fucking emotion of dealing with his one-year-old having life and, like, that he has to be there as a dad so he actually goes to the most remote place ever. So, like, that's the thing. It's just, like, his moves make sense to me as an addict and as a guy going into rehab, like, even his, like, embracing of Phil as, like, a father figure is, like, the move of rehab, where it's just, like, I need this thing really hard, because I need something to kind of focus on past rehab, and then there's kind of the push away, Mm -hmm. when it's, like, I think I figured, it's, like, I gotta, yeah, uh, I think that's what makes Lars As he's trying to work his language, like, as he's trying to Again, just I had like a barrage of like, I'm just used to the, having the drummer do the beat part, <laughs> like such a funny line. And then it's just like, it's just really confusing sounding <laughs> talking about the drum beat. It's clever and everything, but I don't see what it does. Like Every line just made me laugh so hard because it was so fucked up what he was doing, but still real funny. But sorry, Pete, what were you going <laughs> to well, say? Well, he was also trying
1: to <laughs> use like therapy language that yes uh (laughs) how do i
0: say this and not sound like a dick you are bad at what you do but not who you are is that nice (laughs) was that the right thing is that nice enough enough? are you gonna be fine with that (laughs) (laughs) i guess i'm sorry if you feel that way
2: (laughs) no i'm sorry i'm sorry that you got offended i'm sorry i'm sorry that the things
0: i say offend you
2: yeah, or no, that you are offended. Yeah. You can't say it. like I'm sorry that like I say things. I'm so, sorry, I'm sorry that, that the things I say that are you right. got offended. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pete, Pete,
1: what's up? Uh, I was I was gonna say, um, that oh the reason that in terms of Lars like Headfield, you know, like clearly an addict making poor decisions left and right, um, and I you know maybe. Lars had drugs issues and and stuff like that. But the whole time that that Hetfield is in rehab, which again should make him understand more, is like instead of Lars somehow again makes it about himself. It's like, well, I think he's just not going to care about the band. it's like, dude, the guy is in rehab and he needs time and space because he's working through so that he can figure out his life. And instead of Lars understanding and like, sure, they're trying to write a record and things like that. It still comes back to it being about him and that he, you know, Hetfield's going to leave the band and, and what should they do? And like, he's taking too much time. It's like, that's not what it's about. I mean, it may ultimately end up that he does want to quit, but it's like, he's in rehab because he has a problem.
0: It is uh, to give Lars weirdly a little benefit of the doubt or like give, like, I, I, I get it. Like I get like, there's like an anger reaction to loved ones being in rehab. Like, there's an angered... There's a reason why, and I'm sure someone who knows this stuff much better than I do, because I just read it as, like, a cursory reading, but, like, when I read, like, most of the big book, because I wanted to understand alcoholism, uh, but also stopped at all the stories. At a certain point, I'm like, I don't need to read the stories. I just want to get the gist of AA. But, like, there's a whole chapter that's for essentially the wife of the alcoholic but the family members of the alcoholic and in theory part of the program is like that it's like you have to realize that you have to let it go like like, and it's like you have to you can't hold the alcoholic accountable for the shit that they did mm-hmm. in the past and my gut reaction when I read that was just like fuck that I didn't choose to fucking be in re- I didn't choose to deal with this shit And so I do think there's probably a part of that, like, because also like they've got a love hate, like they do have a like it's like they're both stuck with each other, like they have to have each other to exist as Metallica, and uh, I'm sure he has like a quick, childish but truthful resentment towards him. First, it's like yeah, yeah, get healthy, but like, don't be a dick about it, (laughs) like don't interfere with me.
2: I think there's some – I think there – I think I, I can see that trajectory, Jeff, but I think there's like a – what Pete's pointing to and I I, I kind of trying to like put my hands around or like put a name to. It's like almost like Lars is skipping a step because like with that step, you know, when it's like for the spouse or the partner or the family member of, like of the, of the uh, person who's in the program, it's about – I believe it's about that same kind of like surrender to whatever your higher power is. Like I can't control this person. I can only accept them. And, like, you know, where, like, Lars seems in that moment, um, in those moments in the film, it's it's not even about him not accepting James's journey, you know, and how it affects it. It, it. It's just about, like, I. he actually says at one point, I think, or something, he doesn't want James to be in the program because it's mm. getting in the way, you know, of, like, it's it's almost like, it's not like, oh, it's... So yeah, what's the step that I'm th- I'm, kind of, I'm kind of like trying to f- think about? It's like, it's that f- for Lars, he it doesn't matter. He's not grappling with James being in the program. He's like, he's just like he wa- like he feels the in- inadequacy of of uh, of Newstead's new band playing, and he doesn't have something to brag about. Like that's how it reads to me right it's like it's about i like, think how there's a
0: percentage he, that he i think there's a percentage of that i just think i i think there's a percentage of there's the growth of when you realize oh uh, i ha- i i didn't sign up to be in the program but i have yeah, 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 i, I have that. to do the program like it's a misunderstanding of what the program is and like a misunderstanding of like that it's just like, oh, you'll go and you'll do it and then you'll be good to go. Like, yeah, yeah, maybe we'll have to talk a little bit, but like but like I think yeah. then he's just like, wait a second, I have to I I why do I have to surrender to the pro? Why do I have to give up my anger? Like, I didn't sign up for this. I'm resentful that you're making me do this. And I do wonder if it goes back to your 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 uh mission statement before, but like the realization of like Oh, yeah, he goes to rehab, and it affects my fucking coin. It affects all yeah. of our coin. Like, it affects, like, you know.
2: Oh, it's 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 more understandable in a hypothetical situation where, like, to be concerned about the future of the band when you're not the richest rock musician. Like, the, you're not in the most successful, currently most successful rock band around. You know, it's like. They're not really worried about, they, they don't have to worry about money.
0: I would guess, honestly, like, and again, it's why I liked watching it in this version, if I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, that it is that. That it's like the equivalent of on an unbelievably lower level. But like when I moved to, L- to California and was just like, I'm going to get rid of all of these metal maniacs I've kept for 20 years. Like, why do I have this anymore? I need to kind of free myself. Like, I was purging of things that I've held on to as a pack rat for so long as a way to kind of mentally purge myself. I'll also say for him, I, I'm not sure that marriage lasted much longer after that. Uh, so probably. I think that's, I'm not saying in a financial way of, like, he needed it for the divorce, but possibly. I mean, that's uh, one of the reasons why, I remember reading an article with Lindsey Buckingham recently where, you know, when he was fired from Fleetwood Mac again. And it was basically like, He was just like, Mick Fleetwood's been married, like, eight times. He's like, that guy needs to stop getting married. He's like, they need to tour because his alimony is crazy. And then, like, Christine McVie was, like, left a message for Lindsey Buckingham. It was just like, I'm really sorry you got kicked out of the band. But I also, like, just bought a new house. And I've got, like, a mortgage. Like, I'm kind of just fucked. Like, I can't stop the machine. Like... So I think there's an element of that, that it's like, yeah, I don't know, like, how people... Well, you got a lot of money, you spend money in dumb ways. So you could be right. He Maybe he was overextended, we don't know. I do also, though, like, it goes into, like, yes... I guess, like, one, I don't think it's all just about the money. Like, I think they do believe it's like, we got to keep making records. We have to be relevant. We have to be Echo Brain. Like, we have to be the future. Echo Brain is the future. But I also think there's an element of just like any corporation... Where, like, when I'll see people on, like, you know, Twitter or whatever, just be like, what does Amazon need more money for? Like, and it's just like, because that's literally how everyone works in the world. Like, in fucking capitalist America. Like, it's just like, yeah, nobody needs as much money as most people have. Like, when I'm saying most people, the 1%, like, like, it's just like a flummoxness at just, like, a little bit of just, like, yeah, for some reason they think they don't have enough. Or it's become something else. Um, well, that's right. That, yeah. the,
2: the, the logic, I mean, for Lars, it does seem like in his like in his just kind of drive that the logic of the corporation has overtaken the logic of the individual. Right. So like yeah. when you we, like it's like he's not thinking of himself as an individual, you know, he's not thinking he's definitely not thinking of his bandmates as individuals, as, as you know, persons. Um, with interiors and, and like lives to attend to he 's thinking of like he 's put himself in the place of Metallica, the corporation, and everything must be done in their service and it 's fucked up right because like there 's one point where it 's obviously like it and it, it 's it's, it's fucked up because it gets twisted between the individual and that sense of like doing it for the organization because there 's at one point where they 're arguing. Um, and Lars keeps saying, well, we're responsible for all of these things, these people and this stuff, right? Like in an argument with James Hetfield. and James I, Are they talking? I can't remember. Are they talk, I think they might be talking about like the 11 to 4 schedule yeah. where like – and Lars is just like, you know, we got to take care of these guys. We, got, we, we are responsible for more than just ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's just like you don't really buy Lars's justification for that because he spends so much time being an asshole – about why James won't talk to him when he's in therapy, but we'll talk to Kirk. And it's like, oh, it's personal, you know? But you're using everybody... Like, one, you're adopting the logic of the corporation where we need to make this work, we need to make this work, because you're empty inside. And it's, like, all about, like, your personal need to have this band be the biggest fucking thing in the world. But then when you're actually engaging with James Hetfield, you say it's about the corporation... But it's really self-serving. It's about your individual. Like, you're not really caring about, like, the guy who sells the T-shirts. You're really, like, you want to fucking win this argument with James Headfield. Like, yeah. you want to you not just master the rock world. You want to master the people in your personal life. It moves around it again, depending on yeah. what he
0: needs. And, like, I mean, again, also because everyone is not one thing or the other. He's got percentages of why he does his fucked up things. Yeah, They question if it's good to be doing this for James mentally. And that goes into the corporation. Like, no. Oh, they, Making they push a movie it about him going through therapy, basically and recovery. No, it's no, not a pu- good move. They push it through though. Like they push it yeah. through really hard.
1: Yeah. Well, and he keeps because asking, they spend so like, much money. When you look at the back behind, what'd you say, Pete? Sorry. Well, he keeps asking. You know, he's, he's like, we're gonna talk about it with all the cameras here. Like, why? Why do we? Why do all the cameras need to be around? Right, he does right. a
0: nervous laugh. Like he, like he covers, it's like he covered, he's got the fist bumps and then he goes, oh, we're going to, the cameras are here. We're going to do this to all them. Cool. Ha ha. (laughs) Cool. Ha ha. Like, it's just like a constant, like basically lower version of what he does on stage. It's like, yeah. (laughs) Like, (laughs) but, uh, again, Lars, when he's like, uh, searching for donuts, (laughs) make making up lyrics. I was like, I oh, you're you're funny sometimes. You drive me nuts, Matt. Uh, do you want
1: to talk about the San Quentin? Oh yeah, that we haven't talked about that. But just sort of like his uh, Metallica's his... Metallica's cramps move.
2: I know well, it's more of Michael Scott speech. It is a Michael Scott speech. Like, like, speech. He's he like he he's... said, like we're we're all born good. But before that, he's <laughs> like, if I didn't have music, I might be in here like you guys.
1: It's <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, <I> <laughs> was like you're you're waiting for him to have like a bandana on his head and call himself yeah. a Prison Mike. <laughs> Yeah,
2: <laughs> or dead yeah. but he's like but I'd rather be alive because like I think he at that point realized <laughs> I, with how stupid he sounded like to make that comparison but he's like "Oh, okay maybe just life or death okay I'll do that I'll go <laughs> like he's talking to hardened criminals trying to be like I've got a hardened criminal soul but I just found music and I have my I, like I express it through there which is like very cringe and then he does that thing where he's like after he's immediately after all that cringe he's like we're all good people. We're all good souls, and it's like, who are you connected? Uh, like, except who, who for you,
0: it? Scubby Joe, you are <laughs> a real bad seed. <laughs> yeah.
1: And basically, for the listener, they play a show at San Quentin for
0: this for the "say anger" video.
1: Yes,
2: but why is he giving a speech in the first place? Because <laughs> it's it, like it's like a, a motivational. He's a better speech.
0: man than Guy Pichietto, who just shows up, puts his hat over <laughs> his eyes. And hands
1: out some CDs he quietly. A, I didn't see Metallica giving out anything free.
0: Am I the only one that has a real big... My biggest beef with Phil is how he eats a sandwich.
2: Takes off all the vegetables.
0: Yeah. Like, just, like what, what did he want? He literally just wanted a giant pile of meat? Just It just it the, felt like a deal breaker for me. Like, if I saw that, I'd be like seeing my ex-therapist Twitter like how I can't ever think about going back to him and be like see that sandwich.
2: Yeah, the way he the way he tore apart that sandwich so casually like he had done it before. Yeah. I actually did like I was like is this guy someone to be giving other people advice? <laughs> he looks
0: <laughs> like he looks like Skeletor. <laughs> I don't think eating he didn't nothing but meat. for
1: me that like that much.
0: He is like he it's there's no hey. thought in it and it's just like what one order the sandwich you want.
2: Yes, that's it. It's like like w- w- yeah, order There's the layers sandwich of you want. issues. Order the
0: sandwich you want. And if you don't don't sit there while you're talking like violently pulling off your lettuce and slamming down <laughs> the one thin <laughs> tomato you want on top of a pile of pastrami. And like, like I get it? it. Do you want a Jewish deli sandwich? I get it. You just want a
2: bunch of tongue and <laughs> and, just and if, the you, bre- don't, Ooh, if nice. you don't get the sandwich you want, if, if, this sandwich that you got isn't that far off that you've got to be so like just you eat know, the fucking sandwich, man. You know what I mean? Like if
0: Cliff was here, I think he would have just wanted you to eat the sandwich that you got. I just yeah. think that he would honor the sandwich. That
2: listen, <laughs> if if I get a sandwich, and, you know if I get and there's mushroom on it, I'm opening that shit off and taking it off because I don't eat fungus. <laughs> <laughs> no. So it's
1: about that time. Oh. Time to bust a rhyme. You thought forth. the episode was almost over. You've got another 45 five so minutes. You've got another thing coming. Uh, Bam! The rating bang. system.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: If you thought, man, this episode goes on long. I'm probably going to wrap itself up. Well, Matt has going to
1: describe a rating system now. <laughs> Much like we talk about those documentaries with many endpoints, <laughs> we do the same thing <laughs> in our episodes. <laughs> Uh,
0: me and Pete want to take back anything we said about the Bane Doc <laughs> having multiple endings. Because every one of our episodes has about 15 more endings than the Bane Doc.
1: You
0: We're about ready? to go tour Europe now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sowie! You guys-, you guys ready? Sowie!
2: <laughs> so, in Doc's Till Death, we rate our films at the end of them. You no, know, we don't want people... Makers of the movie, people featured in the movie, fans of the movie, frankly, to feel bad about a rating system, which you can. Because if you're rating on a scale of 1 to 10, it's like a hierarchy. And you're saying this sits higher on the hierarchy than other movie. Or, you know, it's at least, if nothing else, we're saying your movie most likely is not a perfect 10. And we know that can hurt if you're in it, if you've made it. Or, quite frankly, if you're a fan of it.
0: And we also want you to be hurt by the hour and a half before this, (laughs) where we were just kind of dicks for a while. But yes, go on.
2: So, quite frankly, um, we choose not to do that. Quite frankly, we choose to do something else. And so what we choose to do is something that, quite frankly, we've thought up. (laughs) My God! Every time, every time. And what we've thought up is something, quite frankly, that we're <laughs>
1: <Sorry>. <laughs> just and gonna enjoy some mushrooms while you do this.
2: Yeah. And what we've um, chosen to do is, quite frankly. Something that we're proud of. You said quite frankly so I just realized that. Pete's um... <laughs> a little slow on the uptake yeah, like, there tonight. He's like, the joke here is that he keeps saying quite frankly. <laughs> Did you all notice? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, when we rate these movies. Quite frankly. We rate them. Quite, <laughs> <laughs> quite frankly, we're going to do it. Uh, <coughs> It's based on criteria um, that we see in the movie, things that uh, are um, indicators of how punk this movie is. We ask, how punk is this movie? And we take things from the movie. Uh, Quite frankly, they don't even have to be our favorite things from the movie. Quite frankly, sometimes they are our favorite things from the movie. And
0: (laughs) I've lost the thread at this point. I'm so tired at this point. I don't even know what I'm saying. We're at that part of the podcast.
1: (laughs) You know what? Take a bite of that donut, quite frankly. (laughs) Quite frankly. I finished it. Oh, you already Thank, Yeah, oh. I, finished, I finished it
2: two and a half hours ago. <laughs> and, and quite frankly, it was pretty good. Were you eating under the table? <laughs> I ate it before we started.
1: I only saw a couple bites.
2: I'm not an amateur eating mushrooms on the fucking podcast like some other people I know. Anyway, we're gonna ask this movie how punk is this movie? Is this movie as punk as uh, Kirk? Uh, getting angry about the rest of the band, suggesting that they get rid of solos, is this movie as punk as Lars's very turnstile-esque bucket hat he wears towards the end of the movie, or is this movie as punk as James's dice necklace, among other uh, roadster wear he wears in the film? Or is it rebellious? Is this... I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Guys, get this
1: scene where the cop pulled me over. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Make sure you get where <laughs> I have to take my earplugs out after I've been
2: talking to him for five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what's that? You're still talking? <laughs> um, or is this movie as punk as uh, Dave Grohl? Mm. Uh, okay, uh, Pete, go first. Oh, thank you.
1: Like that, you just get to call
2: call me out. Quite All frankly, right. I feel that's my uh, my my right. That's and your I, Quite frankly, okay. my quite frankly, I felt like I was going to. You know, be quite, be be quite frank and tell you to do it. (laughs) All (laughs) right.
1: I uh, thank you for that. Very clear. Quite frankly, it was clear. And thank you. All of our listeners are better for your description each week. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs)
2: Psycho crazy.
1: (coughs) We know people are probably tuning out at this point anyways, after all that. Yeah. We Uh, look at the stats. All right. Quite quite (laughs) frankly. We see where you cut off. Uh, so I'm going with as punk as Lars in a turnstile bucket esque hat.
2: What? Wow! 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 One, one, one is wow. because
1: we put out a uh, a meme this week and it didn't catch fire and it should have. Two. Uh, so I, you know, I just want to plug go check that. that out. It won't be up there by the time this comes out. Well, out we put, stories well, well maybe I'll put it back though. <laughs> yeah, Yo, you um, gotta pin that story. <laughs> oh, I will pin it. I'm but more importantly, I'm going with that because I feel like even though we've talked a lot of shit about Lars today, is that he's got like no shame in his game. He's wearing the bucket hat, he's wearing a robe, he is yelling fuck in front of James's face, but like it's almost theatrical. It's like is Almost. he just, just? So it is very theatrical. He's <laughs> he's crying at the Echo Brain uh, show because it's not about him and that they've lost all the fans, even though they put out a record that sold over seventeen million copies. Not at that point, obviously. Um, he, yeah, he just he's got no shame in his game. He's he's writing lyrics on a on a leather couch with his legs up like a little kid. He's doing an interview laying down. It's like. He he just puts it out there, even if it's really cringy, and um, that's how punk this is to me.
2: Well wow. done, very well. And I'll, done.
1: Go, I'll I'll go second. <laughs> oh wow! Because quite frankly, well, uh, Jeff, that seems unfair. But yeah, frankly, well, uh,
2: yeah. Well, let uh, no. J- j- this is this is So baby. So I'll let him wrap it up. Um, I think everything that Pete said, I just say <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> quite frankly, no, you're pretty I, smart uh, doing that. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go with. This movie's as punk as Kirk getting angry mm-hmm. about the lack of solos because um, no, that's not the one I meant to say. <laughs> I meant to say this movie's as punk as uh, James's uh, dice necklace and his other paraf- you know, Um because it's not really you know like it's not really punk. like there's some similarities to it <clears throat> between Metallica and punk. Um, but they branch off in different directions, you know, like as we were talking we didn't i didn 't bring it up, but like as we were talking about the the movie, the therapy sessions, and most of all like the ways in which the corporation of Metallica features and de- defines this, I was thinking in contra as a contrast instrument like instrument kept coming up to me as like maybe like the most Yeah, like as like the yin to the yang, you know, like in like they're just they they fill in very different spaces in this in the musical landscape and those dice necklace like, yeah, there's like a kind of punk that's into it. There's a kind of like subculture that they both come from, but ultimately it's not the same thing. They both have their own space. And I think Metallica is way more kind of important and relevant to hardcore and punk than uh, dice necklace are. But still, it's it's not exactly the same thing. So, but it's close, and it's and it's relatable. I don't know. That's it. Well said. Well said, Jeff. Thanks. Hey, yikes. <laughs> I Jeff, mean,
0: so
1: wrap that baby up.
0: Yeah, I was psyched that you were about to give Kirk, uh, but you were just so tired that you don't even know what you're saying anymore. <laughs> So there. I felt that. like it
2: was like I felt like it was a, a harder. It was like a good argument could be made there, but I don't think I was. In a, I'm in a mental state to sell it.
0: Sure, I get that. uh I had a moment of being like, "Do I want to go turn style bucket hat?" But like, why well, set myself up to go down some shitty snarky road where I'm just talking about turnstile more than I am about Metallica? Ultimately, I have to give it to James's. Dice necklace as well. This is movie is as punk as James's dice necklace. I think uh, uh, the dice necklace I- and the other accoutrement of James are a good example of the kind of shit you got to kind of put up with to like Metallica. And part of that shit is uh, a lot of their musical catalog. And yet there's still a band that I'm like, no, I love Metallica. But this and this and this and this and this. Uh, and at the same time, as I'm saying that, I'm thinking that it is actually, though, very punk because uh, I, I think there's a, a it, it depends on what year it is. But there's definitely a section of just like, ugh, punks don't like metal kids Uh but there's a fair amount that's involved in punk and hardcore that I'm like, ugh, I got to put up with this as well. <laughs> like, I got to put up with this, like, you know, this look. I got to put up with these belief systems. I got to put up with this type of music. I got to put up with this, uh, this and this and this, just kind of keep the list going. And, uh, you know, I think ultimately uh, it, it, it it plays out the uh, – confusing nature of metallica but also the confusing nature of music and the confusing nature of most punk and hardcore and most things that i love is that uh but is that it's also a version that i think is the to me the adult version is that i can realize that like i have a lot of issues with this and i also love them (laughs) like i have a lot of issues with punk i have a lot of issues with hardcore uh, and I still can love it at the same time. Like I does, like the world doesn't have to be black and white. Um, You're badly in anger with it. Yeah, I am. I I can't fight how badly in anger I am with it. And like the, it, and I understand that no matter what. Hey man, I just got to live the way I live because my lifestyle.
1: <laughs> it's going to determine my death style. There you go. Thank there you. you
0: go. So. Um, you know, I, I got to go. The, the I'll never wear uh, a necklace that has uh, dice. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and never think it's cool. Yet. Yes. yes. Exactly. That is the caveat. Just wait. Yeah. Third season, baby. I'm going to be fucking rocking those fucking flames. I'm going to be wearing nothing but RNA sunglasses and Nazi helmets. <laughs> like <laughs> talking to cops and oh, being like, yeah, blue lives matter, man. Uh, just like kind of throwing in weird belief systems. (laughs) Ha (laughs) ha! Yeah! (laughs) Um, I went from hating America to loving it way too much. (laughs) Like, life is confusing. Mm. So is Metallica. So is all of the music all of us love.
2: That's life. Mm. Well well said. Thank you.
1: Very nice. All right, so it it is a Pete's pick. We were going to do the slits. Found out we couldn't. So guys, guess what we're gonna be watching?
2: Uh, um can I make a guess? Sure. Uh how about six guesses? Yeah. All right, six guesses. Uh the other F word? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, uh, hmm.
2: SLC Punk two? Hmm.
1: <gasps>
2: nope. Uh green room?
1: Ooh, good guess, but no. That's three. Mm,
0: uh one mm, more for me. Twenty four hour party people?
1: No. Wrong. <laughs> I am
2: hef, hef, What co- could this be?
1: Half-cocked. No. You got one more, Matt, I think. Hype. Nope.
2: Mm.
1: We are going to be watching a documentary on the band called Death. No oh, response. yeah. I, I just watched that. I just talked about
0: oh, it. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. It it was, was, I should have remembered this because yeah, we were, I recorded I the episode. I uh, it was a great episode in the future. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so join us then.
0: Until then, my name's Jeff Garlock up the punks.
1: I'm Pete Zetlin. My lifestyle determines my death style.
2: Yeah, it was funnier the first time you did it, but we lost our <laughs> stuff because you kind of fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not doing this again because I already did it. <laughs> i <I'm> protesting. <laughs>